Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Depending on where you are uh, residing, temperatures could be hot today. Uh, Temperatures are hot in lots of the conversations of the day. And I'm not uh, necessarily recommending the wet blanket approach, but I am recommending that you and I enter into the conversations of the day in ways that honor Jesus. And so let us seek to be people who are cultivating the mind of Christ in the matters of our day in order that Jesus would actually recognize himself in the way we represent him to others. One of the headlines that, uh, that I was reading last night, the body cam transcripts were made public yesterday. Um, and they, they show that as George Floyd um, was lying on the road with a police officer's knee on his neck, uh, he said more than 20 times, that he could not breathe. He sought to communicate more than 20 times that he could not breathe. Here are some of the pull quotes. Um, He says, you're going to kill me, man. They'll kill me. They'll kill me. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Um, It's important that the, uh, the officers, at least one officer we know now heard this, These body cam transcripts uh, don't just capture what George Floyd said. They capture what the officers said as well. Derek uh, Chauvin said, then stop talking, stop yelling. It takes a heck of a lot of oxygen to talk. So there's no question that they were aware um, that he was uh, afraid for his life and that he couldn't breathe. The transcripts also show that... uh, Not only was George Floyd uh, uh, cooperative um, at points, but became increasingly agitated and begged to not be put in a squad car because he is uh, or was claustrophobic. Um, He begged God. He begged the officers. Um, As the uh, encounter continues, he becomes more and more confused. That's not surprising as his oxygen is being depleted. And he says, Mom, I love you. I love you. Tell my kids I love them. I'm dead. You and I um, will sought to be heard today in many spaces and places and in many conversations over many um, avenues of technology. Here is a man who was seeking to be heard. And you and I may have grown tired and weary of the conversation, but uh, it is not a conversation from which we can turn away. This is something that we as Christians um, not only must continue to pay attention to, but we must advocate for real justice and for the cultivation of a culture and a society where there is genuinely no partiality shown because of the color of a person's skin. 
no partiality. Why? Because that's a kingdom value, and we are kingdom people, and we are here to advocate for the principles of the kingdom of heaven and the king, even in the midst of the kingdoms of this world. Next up, Peter Kapsner is with me. He and I are going to talk about what some are describing as a new fundamentalist revival in America. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining me now, Dr. Peter Kapsner. He tweets at Dr. Peter Kapsner, although he doesn't tweet very often, but it's the only place on social media you can find him. <laughs> you know, I like to give people some sort of social media follow, and that is the best one I have for you. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, you know, that that's as good as it gets right there. Let's just say there's a bit of an ebb and a flow in my tweeting, Carmen. <laughs> yes, he's a periodic tweeter. Okay. Yeah, right. um, that's a good way to say it. Peter, so this is a fascinating—I lift this, lift this up to you— um, I think Paul Perot lifted it up to both of us. It is, um, it's on, it's it's a part of the French press written by David French. It's the July 5th posting at the Dispatch. For those of you who are not familiar with the Dispatch, thedispatch.com, uh, that's where you can read David French and others who I would regard as worth reading. Uh, this This is entitled, America is in the grips of a fundamentalist revival, but it's not Christian. Um, so there's this acknowledgement that there is a rising, uh, I'm going to use the word religious, fervor in uh, in America today. There is a great awakening, or as some have other called it, a great awakening happening in America today, but it is not Christian. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's, it's, I, I highly recommend the listeners to read this and other articles like it, because I think what uh, what David French has done here has really laid out a pretty powerful case for where we are in the United States of America politically with one another and where we're potentially headed. And and this is the byproduct, Carmen, where we are right now, I would suggest, of over the last 10 years, there's been an increasing shift philosophically with one another with whom we differ. So a Democrat towards a Republican or a Republican towards a Democrat in politics to say, hey, we see things differently in our platforms philosophically. But there, there's sort of the time-tested stories of how much uh, people in politics might argue in Congress, but then they would all go out and have dinner together and uh, and they would be friends outside of the halls of Congress. And something shifted in, in these last 10 years, uh, maybe even a little bit longer, where no longer could you tolerate being around another person who had a philosophical difference. And, and in fact, we've certainly seen it within the Trump administration and somewhat before that as well, is there got to be a moralizing of the other side. It, it wasn't just that if you were a Republican, a Democrat would have a political difference and, and you would argue the merits of your philosophy versus theirs, or if you're a Democrat, vice versa. It, it turned into a, a moralizing of they are they are evil and we are good. And, and the way we believe is good and the way they believe is evil. And, and when you make that shift, a couple things happen. 
First, it, it, who wants to have dialogue with evil, right? I mean, nobody's going to say, gosh, we should go out and have dinner again afterwards in the halls of Congress because you're you're not going to suffer being around something that's evil. And, and it created a greater and greater divide between the two parties. And, and it gives reason to try to just, through whatever means possible, drive the other side out. If something is evil, you need to drive it out. So we've seen that. The flip side of it is what then you just described is that whatever party you adhere to, and, and, and French does a great job saying that it's not just the woke culture of the liberal left, it's also been happening within the extreme culture of the religious right and, and uh, some people who support Trump. And this isn't everybody. There's probably a lot of listeners out there like you, like me, like Paul, that uh, we're moderate in our views and, and we can actually think through other sides of the equation. But uh, what does happen then is that if you do fall into a certain camp, you become what, what he described and you said as a fundamentalist. And fundamentalism for me growing up really related to a religious or a Christian conviction. It meant that you were a strict adherent to a certain set of principles or a certain set of ideas. And so maybe to be a fundamentalist meant that you believed that the scriptures were inerrant and inspired, which I do. Uh, or you would maybe believe that God is triune, which I do, and and certain sets of beliefs and values would make you fundamentalist, and you would be an adherent to it, and you wanted to be because it was the truth. And so it wasn't always bad to be a fundamentalist unless uh, you didn't have some humility that would go with it that would allow you to engage in conversation with other points of view. And that fundamentalism now has, and, and it probably always has, but it really has extended into our political spheres right now, where either side, and especially right now in, in the woke culture of the liberal left, there is a, a demand of allegiance and adherence and a strict set of ways in which uh, a person needs to think and talk about things that has led to, among other things, like the cancel culture and, and, uh, and, and some of the um, expressions of it that we've seen recently. So it is interesting that he applied fundamentalism to politics, but I think we clearly see it at this point. And boy, Carmen, historically, when we get into these places where you moralize the other side and then you demand a fundamentalist allegiance within your own camp, it, it doesn't tend to go terribly well. When we use the term fundamentalist or fundamentalism within Christian circles, we mean something very specific, or at least some of us do. But I yeah. think that the the word has... Um, been uh, been adopted and has a much broader cultural definition, and we and we now understand fundamentalism in other uh, religions as well. Some of them, uh, some would use the term fundamentalist um, to mean such a radical view of something that it produces violence. Like violence, violent fundamentalism would be the way that some people would um, would regard the term. When we come back, Peter, um, I'd like for you to just help us. Uh, Kind of place this in the larger cultural conversation. Um, I remember saying uh, this. This goes back a number of years ago. I remember saying to a, a, a Washington Post reporter, "You know, the day is coming." He's he happens to be Jewish. Um, you know, the day is coming when anti-Semitism is going to be popularized. And yeah. um, those of us who are evangelical Christians, that was the context in which he and I were having a conversation. Um, you know, that I am going to be viewed in the same way that uh, Islamic jihadists are viewed you know, at that particular time. I, I think that's where we are. I think that people yep. of deep religious conviction are painted with one brush by an increasingly uh, secular culture. So that conversation up next with Peter Kapsner. He and I are also going to talk about the NFL, which is planning to use Lift Every Voice and Sing, which is the Black National Anthem, um, as the leadoff to games when they resume. 
That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Continuing my conversation with Dr. Peter Kapsner. Um, Peter, let's conclude the conversation about, uh, about I don't know, what we're describing as a fundamentalist revival that's clearly not Christian um, here in the U.S. Um, just make some observations and com- comments about, I would say, the growing hostility toward people yeah. of any variety of genuinely religious faith. Yeah, I, I think that's the, um, that's the piece of the puzzle of that is I, what we're going to have to note moving forward. And uh, and when I was in uh, uh, Scotland at one point, there's a pastor who said, you know, in the United States, you don't know it maybe yet, uh, many of you, but you're heading into what's called a post-Christendom society. You're heading into a time in which Christendom itself as a sort of a, a social expression of the Christian faith, meaning Christians uh, have some voice and they have some um, capacity to to influence culture is going to become increasingly less, and there's going to be a hostility that grows against it. And so be ready for what life would, would can be like in a post-Christendom world. And he was describing life in Europe being you know that already. It's not so hostile in Europe, but it's definitely Christianity is dismissed in many environments as having anything to say about anything. And he said, once you get through this political cycle, you're, you're really going to be in this place where Christians don't have voice, but there is a hostility that is also part of it. And Carmen, I think uh, while, I, while I can't claim to discern the spiritual realm, when when there's such a viciousness going on, uh, viciousness to me uh, and this sort of strict allegiant adherence to a certain way of life that is anti-Christianity, that kind of stuff uh, speaks to me uh, of a spiritual force that's at play. And, and I don't know what that looks like and what that's going to be, but it would be consistent with history. It would certainly be consistent with the scriptures that there is a, there's a spiritual power that this world is it to some degree ruled within the kingdoms of darkness. And, and I think we probably need to start thinking about life post-Christendom, meaning how are we going to practice and express our faith? And, and when I say that, God's kingdom is not under threat at all. I, I will say that to my dying breath. There's the, I have no worry about God's sovereignty in terms of his kingdom persisting and remaining, but the way in which we engage with it and practice it and are ambassadors of it I, I think we would be remiss if we thought, oh, we're just going to sort of return back to the 1950s or whatever it is that we want to return to and not think about what it means to be ambassadors of Jesus moving forward in a very hostile culture to Christianity. All right, let's set that down for just a moment. Um, you're you're kind of a sports junkie, so we could there's like a hundred <laughs> there's like a hundred headlines that we could do. This is the sports segment of the show. Um, I love this. There, yeah. There's so many sports headlines that we could do. I, I'm so tempted to tee up a conversation about these these distraught um, student athletes who, you know, because their season is going to be suspended, you know, life life may not be worth living and pursuing higher education may not be worth it. Like going to Harvard may not be worth it if you can't play football for Harvard. Now, I got to say, <laughs> if if Harvard was your football option. Um, right. Okay, so there's high schools that can beat Harvard. So, yeah, I'm just saying there's there are storylines related to this. Like if your kid is more exercised over the fact that their athletic um, options are being limited by the by the you know, the the fact that schools aren't aren't going back into session, um, you need to have a conversation about education. Okay, that's my speech on that. The NFL. Let's talk about the NFL. Uh, For people who don't know this headline, tell them uh, (laughs) tell them what I'm lifting up. 
Yeah, well, I think there's a couple. Actually, there's a couple things going on in the NFL right now, and uh, I have to before I say anything further about it. I, there, there's a part of it that I'm really excited about, and there's a part of it that I, it feels very disingenuous to me that being part of the sports media for the last uh, decade plus, you, you see sort of the cold calculating business decisions made by those in power and in authority in different sports organizations, and so. You doesn't don't have to go back longer than two three years ago to see the NFL basically blackballing Colin Kaepernick and and I don't have a lot of sympathy for where Colin Kaepernick is coming from from a lot of different places but the point being is that the NFL made a calculated decision saying that our fan base isn't going to agree with Colin Kaepernick and so we're going to blackball him as a quarterback in the NFL and uh, and make sure he doesn't get a job. Well, now obviously the winds have changed in our country substantially and so the NFL um, has. Uh, they've said they've repented, they see the light, they see things change. And and to me, it all sort of seems a bit disingenuous knowing how much it, it truly revolves around money and uh, and how people are going to perceive it. So that's that. that. That's the one side of it that um, I kind of sit and think, huh. But the other side that I think is really beautiful is uh, this this song that is going to be played at the start of each NFL game in week one. And, and it sounds like they're only going to do it in one week. But it's uh, titled Lift Every Voice and Sing. And again, I would just recommend listeners to go ahead and just Google Lift Every Voice and Sing in the lyrics. And, and it is a powerful song. And it speaks to the idea of suffering and turmoil and trouble. And, and yet uh, to persist in the midst of that. And uh, it says, God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, thou who has brought us thus far on the way. Thou who hast by thy might led us into the light, keep us forever in the path, we pray. I, I mean, in a, we just got done talking about a hostility to Christianity, right? And, and yet in this song, uh, there's a real power that is, it's uh, by some, in some circles, they believe it's sort of the black national anthem. Um, and, and I would hate to see the song politicized uh, and uh, because there's such depth and meaning in the song itself. So I'm going to be kind of curious what the response is in week one of the NFL. And you have not only that going on, you have a very substantial conversation about the fact that the Washington Redskins are needing to change their name. And places like Amazon and, and uh, Dick Sporting Good and Nike, they've all pulled Washington Redskins paraphernalia. And just last night it came out that the Redskins are going to remove the Native American logo from the center of their field. So there's a lot happening on both sides of, of, of all of this conversation. And, and the NFL is taking the lead. But um, I think what they're doing is good. I'm just a little cynical about why they're doing it. All right. Um, I got to I got to pivot from this because um, I have Larry the Cucumber up next. And I don't know. I, I have no oh. segue from you to him. I will defer to Larry the Cucumber every single time. There is not a single thing that I could say that would be more important than Larry the Cucumber. So I have no trouble with that at all. Um, so you you should you should um, have some silly songs with Peter, maybe. It's just a thought. It's just a thought. Oh, it's just, I'm just throwing wait. that out there. He's now a college professor, so I'm just telling you that Mike Naraki um, has gone from the big ideas of VeggieTales, which he's still producing, to now being a published um, author of children's books and a college professor. So get busy, oh, man. I don't know what you're doing no for free chance time. I'm not listening. I, when he <laughs> sings Where Is Your Hairbrush as a bald guy myself, I mean, my kids <laughs> love that song. They love singing it to me. So just so you know. <laughs> I know. I love it. All right. I'll be back in just a moment with Mike Naraki. But that was Peter Kapsner. Thank you so much, my friend, uh, as always, for joining us. Have a great day, Carmen. You too. We'll be right back.
time for it's time for an update on Veggie Tales. For those of you who know where you can find it, you'll know why I'm saying yippee. Next up, I've got Mike Naraki with all things Larry the Cucumber. We're going to talk about his Dead Sea Squirrels series with Tyndall. We're going to talk about the Bible for Kids podcast, and we're going to talk about what he's teaching at Lipscomb University. <laughs> That's right. He's a college professor now. Oh, and there's a VeggieTale songs about the U.S. Census. All that up next. This is Max Licato. The word goodbye. This word may be the challenge of your life. How does a person get through raging loneliness, strength-draining grief? The rest of the world has moved on. You ache to do the same. Take heart. God has served notice. All farewells are on the clock. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 begins, The Master Himself will give the command. Archangel thunder, God's trumpet blast. He will come down from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise. Then the rest of us, who are still alive at the time, will be caught up with them into the clouds to meet the Master. Oh, we'll be walking on air, and there will be one huge family reunion with the Master. Reassure one another with these words. Revelation 21.4 promises He will wipe every tear from our eyes. Isn't this our hope? God has promised a restoration of all things, and that includes yours. This is Max Locato. If you like to talk to tomatoes, if a squash can make you smile, if you like to waltz with potatoes, up and down the produce aisle. Got a show for you. Oh, have we got a show for you? Veggie Tales with all things Veggie Tales and our Veggie Tales update. Mike Naraki, welcome, sir. Hey, Carmen, how are you? Thank you so much for I, having me on. I am well. I am well. Let me just tell you that the uh, the grandbaby activity, which mine are now old enough to not only love Veggie Tales but need um, need activities. Uh, we picked cucumbers yesterday from nice. the garden. And nice. they are now like in in the theme of Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> they were slapping on eyes they and have mouths been, and everything. They have been huh? dressed and adorned and yes, and they are all lined up and ready to uh watch VeggieTales on Yippie today. Oh, that's so cool. I love that. So my latest thing with that is uh, with the face masks, you know, the, the face mask <gasps> mandate. I, oh, I, yes. I, I, I made up a little Photoshop of a Larry face and sent it into one of those places that you can do, you know, that print uh, custom face masks. So, yeah. so my Larry, so my Larry the Cucumber Smile face mask should arrive uh, in the mail in the next two days. So I'm super excited about that. So, okay, um, see, yeah. that's really so you, fun. <laughs> I know, man. So, yeah, just uh, so dress up your cucumbers and order your face masks. I love, I love that. Okay, so um, the list of things you've got going on is really, really long. I would love to start with um, this chapter book series. Uh, so you've got the Dead Sea Squirrels, and yes. you're releasing, uh, it's a total of eight books. It looks to me like there are six available right now. Um, uh -huh. Tendal, this is a project you're doing with Tendal. Talk with us about the Dead Sea Squirrels. 
Oh my goodness, I'm so excited about it. So it is a early reader series for kids, uh, K through five, uh, for early readers, illustrated, lots of illustrations in every book, um, and uh, centers around a little boy named Michael, who is in, first book, he's in uh, the Dead Sea area with his dad, who's an archaeologist on a dig, and he wanders into a cave with his buddy Justin, who he's brought with him for the summer, and the two find these two salt-encrusted, dehydrated squirrels, and Michael thinks that that's the cool. <laughs> thing ever. Justin thinks it's disgusting, but Michael sneaks them back home to Tennessee in his backpack and they get rained on and come back to life. And uh, it's a little Jewish uh, squirrel couple named Merle and Pearl Squirrel who lived during the first century uh, and have uh, a lot of great uh, stories and wisdom to share with Michael and his fifth grade pals. So that's sort of the setup. And so they're sort of fish out of water in the modern world and, uh, you know, sharing, uh, you know, the lessons of, of Jesus and the apostles uh, with Michael and his friends in, in the modern world. So it's, 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 it's a lot of fun. And yeah, you mentioned there's, there's six books out currently. And eventually there'll be twelve. Uh, I've written the uh, the the you know seven and eight, and then um, nine nine through twelve are still uh, to be written. I'm working on those over the next year or so. Okay, I love that. The latest in the series is Whirly Squirrels, and uh, in this one, the squirrels have to compete for attention with things like video games and homework and drones. So there you go. Yes, that's good. Okay, <laughs> yes. give us an update on all things Veggie Tales. So um, we are we are fans of the way that it is now platformed on Yippee. There may be people who don't know about that. Um, yeah. There is a new Veggie Tales episode that was just released on July the first. Tell us about that, and then a Veggie Tales movie. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. It's really exciting. So Yippee is a new subscription on demand service, um, video service. And um, we with them have partnered for 26 new episodes. And uh, the plan there uh, is to uh, release one new episode every month for two years, uh, wow. which we've been which we've started, I believe we did a Christmas episode that we released last January, I'm, I'm sorry, last November. And then uh, starting, you know, in the in the spring this year, we began a release of a new episode. Uh, every year. And so, um, so, or I'm sorry, every month. And so it's really, it's a lot of new VeggieTales content and it's just, it's a great setup. It's called the VeggieTales show. It's Bob and Larry in Mr. Nezzer's theater. And Bob and Larry are in charge of putting on a show, a live theater show for a live audience. So if you can remember the old Muppets show, um, yeah. it's kind of, that's, that's the thing. So you see, you see them putting on plays, but you also see the backstage antics and all that sort of thing. But every episode has a core biblical value uh, at the center of it. Um, uh, the one that was just released, uh, Shakespeareagus, <laughs> Shakespeare is, is about humility. Um, we also go through uh, in, in the first uh, dozen or so episodes, the nine fruit of the spirit. Uh, each of those have, has a, has a, its own episode, its own theme. So it's a great, uh, it's a great setup. It's a lot of fun. All the VeggieTales characters are back in their original designs. I know there was a departure from those designs in the Netflix series, but we've gone back to uh, the original character design for veggies. So um, we're just super thrilled about the whole, uh, the whole partnership. All right. I am uh, talking with Mike Naraki. We're catching up with him about a number of things. He's a busy guy. Um, okay. So uh, as I was doing my prep for this show, I discovered that VeggieTales has a song for the U.S. Census campaign. Yes. yes. <laughs> I'm glad to know that I count. Super, <laughs> Everyone super counts. glad. Everyone counts. <laughs> yeah. Everyone counts. Yep. Yep. That was really cool. I don't know if you're familiar with Ian Eskelin. Do you know Ian? Um, no. All, 
all all star united. Yeah, he's he's a Christian uh, singer and and uh, uh, you know producer. But you know he he's he has done some work for um, you know just different agencies and that sort of thing. And one of the agencies that he was working for, you know, uh, was was doing the census thing, uh, the census uh, job. And so Ian gave me a call and he said, Hey, what would what would you think about you know VeggieTales, um, you know, doing the census? I said that'd be great. And so we hooked up, uh, you know, through Big Idea and and did a little animation and Bob and Larry are, are encouraging uh, kids to encourage their parents to make sure they uh, sign, you know, sign up the census. Okay, so if you have not done so already, please go to 2020census.gov. Um, you've gotten stuff in the mail. They've probably tried to call you on the phone. Uh, it, it, don't make them come to your house. Go to 2020census.gov. Uh, and, you know, the, the numbers that you're looking for is who was in your house, living in your house on April the 1st, 2020. So let's all be good citizens of this kingdom um, and, uh, and, and be sure that we communicate at 2020census.gov. There's my little PSA for the day. There All right, Mike Naraki and I um, are going to take a very brief break. When we come back, I'm going to ask him about his podcast, uh, The Bible for Kids, but then we're also going to talk about um, what he's doing as a college professor because the, you know, the gospel and its communication is uh, not just for 8-year-olds but for 18-year-olds. So more conversation with Mike Naraki making the Bible really come to life. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. The census counts everywhere. Count all who live with you. Sisters, uncles, grandmas, and your newborn babies, too. Because everyone counts in the USA. Everyone counts in their own special way. We count all... I love my lips. Continuing my conversation with Mike Naraki. You can find him at Big Ideas. You can find him at Veggie Tales. You can find him at Lipscomb University. Let's talk about that. You're a college professor. You're... Your own kids are now college age. Um, I, I feel like you're probably still teaching timeless truths. I'm wondering, um, you know, what's different teaching 18-year-olds versus, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight-year-olds? Oh, my goodness. You know, it's, uh, well, they're a lot more intimidating the older that they get, <laughs> and especially especially with as creative as they are. I mean, you know, uh, I, I'm a film and animation professor, and, you know, just they're, they're, they're you know, kids, grow, they're growing up as digital natives, and they're so savvy on the technology and, and so used to media and really sharp and really creative. And so it's just been, it's just been a ball. Um, you know, this is, uh, last year was my first year full-time teaching, uh, and and um, I did, you know, I was artist in residence at the school uh, for the previous two years uh, as I was, you know, so I had left uh, Big Idea full time in 2016. So I was I was full time in VeggieTales as I was, you know, uh, writing and directing and running all the direct DVD, direct to DVD shows, uh, which you know, the last one of those was uh, Noah in, in 2016. And so um, at that point, I had the opportunity uh, through a buddy of mine, Steve Taylor, if you're familiar with that name, mm-hmm. uh, who, had, who had started up a film program. At, at Lipscomb a number of years before uh, to, to join their team and go through, uh, you know, get my academic, academic credentialing with my master's of fine arts in film. So I spent a couple years doing that and now I'm teaching and I absolutely love it. So, you know, one of the inspiring things about that, Mike, is that, you know, you, you didn't um, sort of rest on your laurels and say, hey, I've done all this really great stuff and, you know, that's the stuff that I've done. Um, in order to do this new thing, I actually need to go through a process and get some credentials. Um, that's a um, that's an act of humility. I'd like for you to just talk about that as an as as a recognition that um, although wildly successful in your field, 
in order to do this particular thing, in order to teach at a university, you still needed to go through a process to become, you know, credentialed in a particular way to satisfy uh, an institutional requirement. Talk about that, because yeah. that is not something that people are quick to do. Wow. You know, um, it, it was it was interesting because when Steve came to me and said, hey, have you ever thought about teaching? I thought, well, yeah, I love teaching. I mean, it's what we do with VeggieTales and teaching, you know, younger kids lessons of the Bible and, and values. Um, you know, I my educational background uh, I, I was I double majored in biology and history, <laughs> which, you know, <laughs> there you go. There you go. And so it's so funny because though I had, you know, uh, decades in the production industry, there was always a little bit of me that felt like, OK, well, what did I miss by, you know, not studying this in school? And so when Steve asked me that for teaching animation and and film, I was like, OK, I've done it. You know, I know I know how to do it, but I don't know how to teach it. And and so and those are two very, very different things. And so, um, you know, being able to go through a, a process of, you know, basically going to, you know, graduate film school uh, and, and, and really, you know, the, as I went through it, I, I, I learned that I already knew a lot, but I also learned a lot and I learned uh, by taking classes, I learned, okay, you know, I'm, I was sort of soaking in and thinking, I'm taking this class that I'll probably be teaching pretty soon. So I sh should probably pay extra close attention. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, but I just didn't, you know, I, I, I sense that, okay, I, I've, I've always wanted to be the best that I could be that what, whatever I can do and, and with the gifts and the abilities that God has given me. And so just taking those steps to be able to achieve that, you know, I've always felt is, is really important. And, you know, I have no, I have no uh, illusions that I could come in there and be a great teacher. I mean, because I've, I've had great teachers before, and that's its own art and its own discipline. And um, I just wanted to make sure I could take every step I could I could make to be able to achieve that. You have some, um, well, you have multiple passions. Uh, maybe mm -hmm. the passion to communicate the gospel creatively with emerging generations might be one way of characterizing it. If I'm mischaracterizing it, please correct me. Um, I'm wondering if there are, um, if you, if in your experience, communicating timeless truths um, in a voice that is not your own, right? I'm thinking here about the things that Larry the Cucumber can say that pierce uh -huh. my heart and, and make something sticky um, uh -huh. that I probably would not have heard the same way in my, like, mother's voice. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, there's something about, uh, I, well, I think on, on many levels, I think first it's story, you know, first we, I think when you, when you attach to a character in the context of a narrative and in a story, um, you know, you, uh, and, and that's the, and I think that's the power of film, the power of story, because it's, it's, there's an emotional connection there as you put yourself in that, in that character's place and that hero's place as they experience those emotions in that journey. So I think there's a, you, you let your guard down there in a little bit, uh, of a way that you don't, when you're hearing, you know, just a sermon, you know, which doesn't, it speaks more to the intellect, uh, necessarily than it does to the emotions. And so I think there's that, there, that lets your guard down. And I think beyond just storytelling, there's a, there's an element of animation too there that, that also lets your guard down there. It's just this, this fantastic world with these, these characters that feel real and, and seem real, uh, but yet, um, you know, just have this other quality about them. And, uh, you know, I've often wondered, wow, if we told this same 
doing VeggieTales episode in live action, you know, would it have the same impact? Would it be the same thing? And, and, you know, I just think, no, I don't, I don't think so. I think there is something about animation, uh, that, that really connects with people and kind of lets their guard down in, in another way. And so I, I just feel like if you can tell a story, uh, that is, uh, you know, if you, a well-crafted story, uh, with, uh, with a theme that is supported, uh, by the narrative that is emotionally engaging uh, with characters that you care about, that that can be a really powerful tool to uh, transmit truth and, and values. So lots of kids um, feeling like they're they're missing out. There's a lot of, of disconnect right now. Um, let's just talk for a, a minute about, you know, missing friends, missing church, missing VBS, missing school, missing the sense of missing out. Um Direct me to uh, to something that that you believe would be effective in addressing that with, let's say, both my grandbabies who are like seven and under and my teenagers. Oh, wow. That's a that's a uh, big question. (laughs) So, uh, you know, I do think, um, you know, I just missing out. I just feel like it's. We've we've tried to during the whole quarantine um, as a family just sort of count the blessings that we have uh, by being together as a family and sort of, Mm. you know, missing out on the rest of the world. It's like, well, let's try to let's try to make make the most of what we have in our little world here. And so, you know, my wife and I had just become empty nesters when our youngest went off to college. And so uh, we were mourning that and all of a sudden he's back, you know, and and our daughter and our daughter's back, you know, finishing up her, her senior year. So we were just, we were trying to just, you know, soak that in as a family say, okay, we're missing out on a lot of this other stuff out here, but, you know, let's concentrate concentrate on, you know, kind of the blessing of all being together here. And so, um, you know, that would, that would be one thing. And then, um, yeah, I don't know. I, because I also know the pain that, you know, my, my son can't wait to get back to campus in the fall. Um, uh, um, uh, you know, we're just, just the limitations on us all. Um, you know, I know my students, you know, we're as a faculty, we're all hungry to get back in class with our students. Um, so it's just, it is, it is a difficult time. So I, but I do think, um, you know, just concentrating on, on the things that we do have and what's around us and what the things that God has allowed us to think about more in the, in the midst of this, this trial, uh, I think is important. That is so helpful. Such a helpful reframing, um, of, of, yeah, of the question and the reality that we're, uh, that we're living in right now. Mike, thank you so much. Um, best place, uh, that you would invite people to connect with you. Well, so um, uh, with me, I, you can find me on my Instagram, Mike.Naraki, or uh, my uh, Facebook authors page, uh, which is um, at Mike Naraki on Facebook. Uh, and then folks awesome. can uh, check out yippee.tv uh, to find out more information about uh, the, the VeggieTales series. All right, guys, there's so much here uh, to check out. Mike Naraki is, is incredibly prolific, uh, co-creator of VeggieTales, co-founder of Big Idea Entertainment. Uh, voice of beloved Larry the Cucumber, on and on and on. Professor at Lipscomb, uh, it's just so fun to be with you. Thank you so much. We are looking forward in our family uh, to keeping track of uh, of the Dead Sea Squirrels series. So just just everything. Just thanks so much. We just really appreciate it, Mike. Carmen, thank you so much. God bless. And always remember, God made you special, and he loves you very much. Goodbye. Oh, goodbye. Thanks, Larry the Cucumber. We'll be right back. Oh. Good 
Okay, so this falls into the uh, be careful what you tweet category. Uh, Let's just be careful today uh, about the ways in which we use the platforms that God has given us. Uh, And let's just be slow to speak. And and let's take a pause before we retweet or post something. Let's just recognize the power of communication today and the multiple vehicles through which we have been graced and given to communicate. Let's do so carefully. Let's be sure that we are representing Christ to the world in a way that he would recognize himself. Like he would see us and he would hear us and he would recognize himself. Uh, And let's uh, cooperate with the Holy Spirit in that today. All right. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.